Before we begin talking about our movies today, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which myself and Anthony are now recording, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And I would like to pay my respects to the Gabrieleno people, who are the traditional custodians of the Los Angeles land that I'm currently on. Anthony. Oh, yeah? I'm putting a bird together. You son of a bitch. I'm in. I'm Noah Jansen. I'm Eliza Jansen. I'm Anthony. And this is Twin Picks. Gosh, I love movies. Hello and welcome to Twin Picks, the show where a pair of actual real-life human twins. Oh, and me, and me. <laughs> Make a double feature out of two movies that share some kind of similarity and decide which one does its job better. Um, but Woo! yet again, this week, uh, we are not actually accompanied by the twin per se. She is busy yeah. studying to change the world. And if you have a problem with it, Guess what? One day you're going to be in a pickle. You're, they're going to be like, hey, you're, you know what you need? You need a lawyer. And you have you'll the be right like, to an attorney. Oh. And you're like, what? And you're like, oh, well, I could call out Meg. And she'll be like, um, but you, you were angry at me for not talking about movies that one time. Yeah, you, you subpoenaed me that, yeah. one, that time when I wasn't here. So you'll have to suffer and just deal with that it's just me and Noah and our amazing sound engineer and frequent guest, Anthony Carr. That's the one who's joining us today. Now, he's joining us because we were like, you know what? I love just like talking with Eliza, which we've done before for um, the um, White House showdown. But mm. um, uh, we know we randomly recognize that Anthony is like, for some reason, a family movie expert. Like he's seen every animated movie like four times. So he doesn't know much about Seven Samurai, but I feel like Seven Samurai is going to do pretty well Anyway, because Eliza and I are going to back that in, I reckon. So Mm. you can just come in hard for the one movie that you have seen. Yeah, I'm sure that I can apply some of the universal concepts that A Bug's Life brings to the table to what I envision Samurai would be, given its accolades and its standing. Yeah, 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 great. Um, I I was also just thinking, seeing as this is our second episode back from a big break, we should like what's everyone been up to? Like we should probably have like a oh little gosh, yeah. chat, kind of about what everyone's doing. Mm. I guess you had start. a guest last time, so we just powered in. Exactly, we had a guest, and we needed to fucking hold his baby little hand and get him through it, so he didn't do a big spew on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, no, he's a good guy. We like him. Um, <laughs> Liza, what have you been up to? What have I? Oh god, I feel bad. I've. I don't know. I've, I'm happy with like projects I've got done. I've finished some scripts while I've been here and stuff, which is nice. But, That's so sick. Um, I don't know. I've kind of just been like cooking and like not exercising, sleeping mm. so much. We watched all of The Sopranos. Oh, you we finished it. Some- Holy damn. Yes. Yeah. It's crazy. 
And honestly, I want to, I kind of want to like start again and just do it all over again. Like that's so cool that you loved it that much. Wow. I don't know what yeah, I'm doing really now. Good. Cause I just did like, I, I finished it like a month ago now or something, but I finished Buffy. And when you finish a big, like multiple seasons long thing, it's like, where do I want to go next? So I want to do like another big thing or something a bit like the palette mm. cleanser. So I think I'm going to do Avatar, like Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. Because I've only ever done like Netflix five now. episodes. Yeah. Really? You've never seen all well, of it? We, Eliza, do you remember at Grandma and Grandpa's house, we had the first three episodes on DVD? Yeah. What a it's rip, very random. Getting a DVD with three episodes on it. That like, was such a classic thing where you'd like, like remember back in the day where like, you'd get a DVD and it would have like an episode or some shit. Anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. So I randomly know the first three episodes like back to front, but now I'm watching the rest of it and I hear it. it it's one of those things that people say like, oh, when I watch this, it's one of the only things I've ever watched where it was overhyped and then I watched it and the hype was actually very valid. Like everyone's like, it mm. is actually that good. Yeah. It didn't so, actually ruin it for you. Yeah. Like, so are you a Avatar person? Yeah. I, I had seen disparate non-sequential episodes earlier in my life and then I think it was either early this year or late last year I sat oh, down sick. and watched it from back and, and you loved I it loved it so good awesome sick well yeah. I'll do that then yeah and good time to get into it because they're doing the Netflix they're reboot doing the Netflix of it so yeah live we'll action thing be able to compare when that comes out very true yeah and also because they're like because I tried with Clone Wars because Clone Wars is also a big one where people say like push through it starts out being a lot for children but it gets really good but that show is exhausting to watch like I, i'm still in season one and it's been like a year i totally thought you just meant the second star wars, oh, star wars episode two. it's like it's exhausting <laughs> i cannot do it, it. Yeah. but it is but no the tv show but um avatar i'm getting the sense already that like it even in like the, a lot of a lot of the slapstick humor stuff it's still pretty like palatable and like great so yeah i like it tell everyone about your record label that's so sick oh uh, yeah 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 i've been i've been very busy i've been very not on a break in a number of ways yeah. i guess you never um, are though i'm always in audio land in yeah. one way or another um yeah i was i was telling eliza about this earlier on before we started the call but um so exciting a lot of what I've been doing this year and which was particularly aided by all of the COVID downtime yeah. and uh, internet focus, I guess, that was going on with people after not being able to see each other in person was um, that, uh, yeah, me and a bunch of other VCA music graduates are in the midst of putting a record label together and a bit of a sort of artist community i guess um That's so, so cool. i have been so sick yeah it's really exciting um we've i've been doing a lot of like post-production for people's music and getting stuff polished and yeah ready to chuck up on the the spotify's and the youtubes and the yeah. like yeah and um we'll make sure you make you keep us posted and we'll, we'll make sure we're hyping that up on on here as well I absolutely will yeah it's um, it isn't just a movie podcast it's about it's about art and it's about love yeah so, absolutely and that's that's all we're bringing to the table so that's the one anthony <laughs> Um, Anthony, yeah. you're really excited to like as the label like builds and stuff to become like a really tyrannical like record producer guy who's like, you guys got the wrong image and you like get this beautiful like group of girls and you like manufacture them into being like a girl group and you just like are awful to them. It's kind of weird that you clearly have the password to my email threads. <laughs> <Sorry>. um, <laughs> um, yeah. That, it begins. That yeah. was... That was up the top of the list of things that I wanted the label to be able to achieve in its lifetime. Awesome. So, um, Just like Josie and the Pussycat stuff. Yeah. Amazing. I need to watch that movie because you talk about it all the time, Eliza. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's a really yeah. good movie. <laughs> 
It has quite a Paul Verhoeven thing of people not getting that it's making fun of the thing. It isn't the thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because when people it think does. it's like, a, it's like so like full of product placement and stuff and it's really cringe, but they're like, it's about product placement. It's about capitalism yeah. and stuff. Mm. I, I, I mean, I think it. someone, I think. yeah, I think someone would have to be like pretty dumb or like only have watched the movie on mute to take to away that. that it's like, yeah, like it is very explicitly about like the line between commerce and art and stuff. But oh, that's cool. Yeah, it slaps. It's so good. <laughs> Damn. Mm. But we're not talking about that movie this week. No, we're not. No. We are talking <laughs> about, as as we said at the end of last episode, um, this is an episode I've wanted to do for so long. Um, I'm really excited we're doing it. We are talking about Seven Samurai and A Bug's Life. Um, both of these have an identical plot. And what we'll talk a lot about with Seven Samurai is how this plot is so foundational in the history of cinema. The plot being um, a village or community of some sort is set upon by bandits who are going to come, who essentially go like, you've you've got a certain amount of months before we come back and take your food. Harvest. Like your food to get your harvest. And because they're just like poor farmers or like they're just like, you know, peasants, they don't know what to do. So the, the, somebody goes out and finds warriors who can, or who they, people that they think are warriors, um, who can protect them for when the bandits do return. Um yeah, very different movies, and I really can't wait to talk about them. So I think we should start with Seven Samurai. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, okay. So, Seven Samurai is a 1954 Japanese samurai epic um, written, edited, and directed by the one and only Akira Kurosawa, um, who is widely regarded as, like, you know, is it a big stretch to say, like, the father of modern cinema? Like, every yeah, his, he's one of the boys. his films like a big thing that the wikipedia for seven samurai says is like it's widely regarded that seven samurai is the most referenced film of all time like everything in it feeds everything that cinema is now um it's set during like the 1500s uh that period of japanese history where as we said a village of farmers have to hire seven they're actually ronin like a samurai if you're a samurai, you're part of uh, like a class. You're like, like you're employed. Part of, you're employed. A masterless samurai is a ronin. So it should be called seven ronin, but that doesn't sound as good. <laughs> um, and they hire seven ronin to combat bandits who are going to return to heal, to to, um, to steal their harvest and their crops and stuff. Um, I want to open with this one with, I, I've recently joined Twitter and I, one of the first tweets I saw was something really interesting from, I promise this will come back to seven samurai. From Scott Derrickson, who's the director of like Doctor Strange and Sinister, Sinister. and stuff. Yeah, and I always really like his Twitter because he's always 
conveys how he's teaching his children about cinema, like how he's raising his kids on cinema, which is I think I think about a lot. Like that is going to be such an exciting part of life for me, I reckon. Aww. And he posted a picture of his two kids and he was like, we are watching Seven Samurai. My daughters are seven and nine. They have not moved. This movie goes for three and a half hours. And that is like a testament to me about the most incredible thing about Seven Samurai in that like some films, their place in history is so important because the foundation of them teaches people about how to make their own art. That sounds ridiculous, but like I think that all the time about Star Wars, like Star Wars teaches people the conventions that are Mm. all over art. It teaches people about like the hero's story and about comic relief sidekicks and stakes and um, pace. And like, to me, Seven Samurai is the exact same thing of like, it's just like textbook. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I totally agree. Like, you know, saying Star Wars, like Star Wars is very directly based on samurai movies. It's, it's based the on first like one Westerns as well. Yeah. Like it, yeah. Yeah, it's not yeah. just based on Kurosawa and like his kind of acolytes from the fifties. But like, I definitely think samurai movies and like these black and white Japanese movies from the mid-century, like when a time when Hollywood was kind of failing to make interesting blockbusters and stuff, like they have sort of been forgotten a bit by modern audiences in terms of like we were just, just how talking much about they this set before a we started recording. We were talking about this just yeah. before we started recording about how like it, like how we don't talk enough about how samurai films are possibly like the least dated and most accessible yeah. form of of like especially foreign cinema but like just cinema in general for like what a lot of people can't connect to which is like a valid thing a lot of people can't connect to the pacing of something pre 80s even kind of and i feel like a samurai film is a really good window into that yeah like the way that these movies um the way that they sort of imbue action scenes that are incredibly entertaining and really technically perfect into like a story like a broader story Mm. about characters and like noble epic themes yes there is something really flawless about it like I mean I'm looking at my notes I do have some notes where I'm like this sort of let me down in the movie a tiny bit or whatever but like when you're finished watching it it's like what are you meant to say (laughs) it's just like literally what are you meant to say It is. It's a perfect movie. Like, as you said, there are there are little moments with, like, the romance thing between the two characters kind of bumbles a little little bit at the end, I guess, but we'll just, like, in, in the writing of it. But that's the thing of, like, how we viewed men and women back then. Something I'm always talking about on this dumb show. But it is textbook into, like, how do you interweave philosophy and action? Like, I think, like, the all the, like, lens of action in this movie is so specific it's the kind of movie that makes you watch that like reflect on the recent films like it that you've seen and see how much tighter they could have been like what blew me away watching this the second time is um the entire action like war so like obviously the whole movie so effectively builds to the battle when are they coming how how long do we have till they come and the movie lays out the plan it lays out the strategy and every single death is specific and it has weight and it shows you him crossing off on the list of the, he's like, okay, we have like 27 more and then they'll kill someone. And like, it's literally like watching a war chief 
look out at their map and say, okay, now this squad is going to corner off that end and then we're going to let a few of them in and then block them off. And it's literally like sitting in the control room of like a war, of like a war room. Um, And it makes you realize like, God, action is so much more effective the more specific it is, which feels... um, which feels like the antithesis of what you'd think because action is obviously frenetic and scary and dangerous. But the more specific the action gets in this movie, the better it is. Mm. What about um, you, Anthony? Did you find yourself like shuffling around a bit during that like three and a half hours or were you like pretty glued to the screen? (laughs) Well, I should explain that I... uh, had when you informed me that Meg would did not be say in this, this, episode. this episode. No, I don't think oh, you did. I, think I forgot to say. It. Didn't okay. I say it? It's okay. We I could, thought I said it. Oh, maybe you did. I can't remember. Um, the the <laughs> short version is that I haven't seen this, but I've seen a bug's oh, life, and so I'll be able to. <laughs> That's uh, hilarious. I was, in fact, what what I was just about to suggest was perhaps. I mean, Noah did say earlier that it's an identical plot, but I guess my question would be how identical. <laughs> And um, if you could maybe speak like on that, but also to like Mm. the relationship between the people who need protecting and the bandits as compared to most most common. I I think the thing that the biggest difference between the movies is that at its heart, Seven Samurai is philosophically about what is it to be like the role, like what, what role do you fill that you can serve other people, particularly the samurai, Whereas A Bug's Life, this will be in compared to Fix, but like obviously A Bug's Life is more so about mistaken identity. They think that the seven they've brought in are warriors, but they're actually circus performers. But this movie, um, like what we, Eliza spoke to of like how the action is so rooted in like big grand themes that we should be teaching our kids about, about like hope and courage and unity, um, this movie is so beautiful in how it's about like, what is it to truly be like a samurai? Um, like the, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the, the ideals of being a samurai are really specific here. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but yeah. Yeah. When, um, I, I mean, this is already getting at a difference in the movies, but, um, one thing I appreciated more in seven samurai is, the main characters are the seven samurai. Whereas in A Bug's Life, one of the villager characters is like the main guy that's making stuff happen. And the seven outsiders or whatever are like wacky character characters. (laughs) And I think in Seven Samurai, it really feels like an ensemble where each of those Mm. guys, each of the boys gets their own lovely moment. They each have their own cool customized weapon. And all of them are a different model of, what it is to be a hero like heroic completely yeah yeah i I think like the most scene stealing one is toshiro mifune the hottie you know who's like Hmm. he's like the wacky wild card samurai Hmm. who they threw in at the last minute originally it was six samurai and then they were like we need someone that isn't so like stoic so they threw in him as this like wacky, crazy manic dude. Yeah. Man, and he makes it. Like he's so he funny. Does. I love I love when he's like handing out rice to the little kids and he's like, yell if you want some rice, you little piss pants. And he's just like, 
such a little brat. But it's like even he's that straight character, up like, like naked for some of like the fights. Like, oh his butt God. is out and he like slaps his, his butt at the and he's like, come get it. Out. Out. It's so funny. Yeah, that was a very risque costume. <laughs> I was yes. like, a fan of that. But like even, you know, he's sort of like a deranged, crazy character with a bit of a broken like backstory and stuff. But it's like, yeah, you can learn from him too. Like he's nuts, mm. but he clearly has values and like you know, that's yeah. that's another he's just another kind think, of way that the the samurai are so admirable. It, even in that like it speaks directly to what uh, it made me think of I watched The Five Bloods the other day and the most incredible thing about that movie is how it talks about like war never ending and war affecting everyone and like war reparations what does war do to everybody how nobody really wins and how like it ripples through time because there's an interesting element with you know them being like the farmers are like this like this is what farmers are they're like weak and cowardly and then the samurai are like and then everyone's like to the samurai where they're like yeah well the samurai are like selfish and then they think about themselves and the movie becomes about like what do you stand for like the very heart of what is it to be if a samurai is someone who is part of a squad like a a, a, a war and then the war ends what do you stand for anymore and it's yeah. about like where does compassion and goodness exist in a selfish world like the whole movie is just full of people being like everything is unfair like nothing is fair good people always yeah. lose like that Where, old lady then, being like, I hope I die soon. Please let me die soon. Literally like, like, please, oh, I hope Jesus I die. Christ. Exactly. And just the idea yeah. of like, where can that exist? And all these samurai who like essentially are getting nothing for doing this. And it's mm. about them finding like, what is it in their ability that they can serve to like other people? What can they give? So maybe mm. it's like a thing that I can bring to the table having not seen this but like <laughs> understanding the premise of the film like very deeply mm. um I guess one thing that I'd maybe like um a question that wouldn't as naturally arise perhaps with a bug's life I think from my understanding of this film and like my extremely non-educated knowledge of like uh Japanese culture and I guess like uh, Asian culture as pertains to like the relationship of an individual to their society more broadly and that sort of thing. I guess yeah. I'd maybe ask you to like what your thoughts are on like how the roles of the samurai function with like within that lens mm. because it's I to me the nature of like when you, when, you know, like as you were saying before, when you talk about like Star Wars or you talk about like a Western or mm. something like that, you're very, um, it's really difficult to not be like hero centric. And to me, like mm. a hero is actually a very like individualistic, like Western ideal. It's like the idea mm. of having a like single people or at the very least, like a small group of individuals who are all characterized by, you know, their own quirky personalities that differ each other differ from each other so that you can remember all of them as characters and those sorts of things mm. and you really see them as like individuals in that way in a lot of western cinema and that's like what you're rooting for i guess or what you're taught to strive that's for so whereas i guess in like obviously not just like in uh, art but i guess like in real life as well and mm. as it pertains to a lot of asian society 
from my limited understanding again there is much less like individualism focus and it's much more of this like collectivist yeah. like working to serve the whole and i guess i'd pitch which to is, you too like what are your thoughts on like which side of that line the yeah, samurai I, I think fit into in this film i think the most like incredible part of the movie is like it like um, an amazing part of the movie is it again positions that when these samurai arrive they are so different to the villagers in belief in life experience in ideals and that the the samurai have to use their experience in life to actually bring them all together i'm actually going to like read a quote from the movie when in, in figuring out the strategy for the battle they tell the village what we have to do is blow up this bridge so that there's only one central point they can only come from like the north i think but in doing that, that means that all of the houses on the other side of the bridge, they'll be able to burn down and destroy. And for a moment, all the villagers that live in those other houses are being all like sassy and pissed off and stuff. And they're like, well, like you guys suck. We're going to like do our own fight and stuff. Mm. And the samurai bring them all together and say, this is the nature of war. By protecting others, you save yourself. And about the movie ultimately being about some of the samurai having to learn that as well. Like some of them are more selfish or like they like the power of being a samurai. But then ultimately the movie is about them having to unite and find the common ground, even though the war has separated them. As we said, like they all hate samurai. When the samurai arrive in town, they get no grand welcoming. They're, they're scared of the samurai because they burned their villages and they destroyed their like their harvest and they raped their women and it's about yeah stripping like the wider systemic stuff that allowed that break to exist and actually just bring them together mm. and then that ultimately arrives at the end of the the movie with spoilers we always spoil the movies with that they say the samurai didn't win four of them die only three of them live and the leader of them i can't remember his name he says like we Hanbei. didn't yeah, yeah, he says it was the village's success. It wasn't us. We we lost. Like we were just a vehicle for that. We were the vehicle for their success and we we lost, yeah. Sorry, Liz. Yeah. What are your thoughts um, on what Anthony was saying? Yeah, I know it's something you've brought up before, Anthony, when we were talking about White House Down and Olympus has fallen, saying like yeah. that like rugged individualism thing pisses you off. Yeah, I guess in those really like hyper America movies, it's yeah. like <laughs> It's 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 probably much more readily apparent than in films like this where yeah. it's maybe like you don't have to interrogate it as much if you don't want to. Like you could, I could, I guess the reason I asked the question is that you could from the outside and potentially yeah. even having after watched the movie, you could see it both ways. You could see them as seven samurai, seven individuals being individuals or you mm. could see like samurai as a plural and as like a unit and like that's true yeah yeah um, yeah very true i think mm. on this watch for me a thing that my my big thing i learned by watching it this time was considering the time that the movie was made like similar period as tokyo story the other black and white japanese movie we've watched like after Hiroshima, after the war, Japan changed so, so quickly to become the really modern country that we know it as now. And yeah. I think the renewed interest in like samurai stories, it almost feels like how we think of knights and like medieval stories where it's like 
this mm. really romanticized idea of heroes who have like no agenda other than to do the right thing and like they can't exist today because we just don't have a society that works like that anymore but like look at these heroes and like the code that they live by and what can we take away from it hundreds and hundreds of years later and yeah I think like mm. the fact like you said Noah that they die at the end and that they're like yeah we knew that would happen all right let's like continue to live the rest of our lives knowing we did this amazing thing and that we saved these people's lives but kind of you know didn't yeah. benefit from it personally in any way yeah. I think like imagining being someone who after seeing your country basically get blown apart and then getting to go to a cinema and see this as part of your national heritage I think that would be like so bolstering and you'd be like yes that's so true yes this really, is our history literally that's such a good point yeah um yeah I think uh I was just going to point out as well I think something we haven't touched on too much because like such an incredible part of this is how like the text like the subtext underneath the action but something that stuck out to me this time is like the nature of different action styles like obviously these days a lot of action movies are with like guns and how you direct how do you direct a gunfight so that you reflect what that feels like and it made me be like wow like samurai sword like swordsmanship fighting is so cinematic like yeah. there's a duel early on when we meet my favorite of the samurai um he's like very stoic and silent that's max's and he's, favorite too he's so cool he's literally just like the, the one that's like i'll do whatever is needed like he like goes in stealthily and like steals muskets from the bad guys and stuff and we meet him where he's dueling someone and it literally i was just like what a cinematic form of fighting of action because it's so tense there's such a like tautness to it in that like it's him like in a duel a lot of it is just like being in a stance and then a moment of silence and then a step like a foot slightly like changing angle or like the sword being slightly raised before they collide and then it's like really quick and like I just think I loved that I was like oh yeah this style of action sword fighting with samurai swords specifically looks fucking awesome on set like in in movies i guess it's just like mm. it's extremely um it's extremely embodied action like it's yeah. it's very personal and like close by nature like it's yes. um it has the power and brutality and level of danger of like being armed with weapons as opposed mm. to just like hand to hand combat but it has the like personality of hand-to-hand combat in that you have to be close enough to someone to be able to reach them exactly like it's not a gunfight where you're like being bloody bradley cooper sniping someone from however many kilometers away (laughs) you're like engaging with a person like to in fact in fact to quote another like timeless cinematic masterpiece the matrix reloaded yeah um (laughs) there's there is a bit where neo is battling um what's his name seraph the the protector of the oracle and he says this he's like they have this exchange about him being like you don't truly know someone until you fight them and he's like you could have just asked but he's like making the seraphs making the point to neo that like you don't really understand someone until you like experience their physicality and i guess that probably like plays into i think about it a lot with with westerns like i think we should like we'll talk about with a bug's life that part of this movie is that 
it has been translated into every possible genre kind of like the other one we could have done is the magnificent seven which i saw before seven samurai which is Mm. the same movie but a western and i think in some senses the action in that movie replicates the tension that the action has here um but i think when a gunfight gets less tense and it becomes more like chaotic it has way less tension than any like the last hour of this movie where you have such precise Mm. like you have to as you said like to to shoot a gun you have to move your finger a few inches to slice a sword you have to move your whole body and you have to cut like yeah the like the movement of that is just explosive and gorgeous yeah Mm. do you like the action in, in this list like how, how does what do you think course. about that element of it? Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. And like a big another big Kurosawa trope that we haven't really talked about is like how um, how seamlessly he like integrates natural stuff happening into like um, human action. Like during those sword fights, whenever they move, they kick up a big cloud of dust, and it's like. Mm. you can't fake that like they would have just been in a dusty patch and it shows off all of their every one of their movements more and it's like this like Mm. I don't know this really easy organic way of like emphasizing action by being like it's raining and they splash in the rain as they punch everywhere yeah yeah Yeah, like that's a big thing that rain and wind and natural stuff like will always be oh god I fucking hate saying this but it's like a character in the movie like when (laughs) you know while even while the villagers are at the start of the movie they're having this tense conversation about like what are we gonna do should we just die like what are we gonna do there's this water wheel in the background like thumping and it's like this metronome and like the physical motion of the wheel is like everyone talking and like milling this over literally milling it over oh my god it's so good i want to mention one comedic joke that goes throughout this movie that i'm straight up like if that was in a movie now i would find it funny as well (laughs) like it's so good there's stupid Um, haircuts with the like shaved head that is very funny yes but no i'm also meant kikuchio bullying yohei the old man (laughs) This is one old man in the village and the entire movie, he just like rips on this guy. Like literally he just <laughs> never, and the old guy literally always has the most animated face. He's always so sad. He'll literally like pick him out of a line and be like, this guy's so fucking old, isn't he? And everyone just laughs at him. It's it's like the most base level joke, just like being mean to a senior citizen, but it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Mifune is just like the best. He's so like yeah. attractive, but also goofy and hilarious. Yeah, 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 he is. Um, He's guys, so what would movie. your like? What would your um samurai weapon be? Whoa, Ooh. and Anthony in the movie. Samurai thing? I don't know. Did no one use nunchucks in this movie? Right? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> um, they use. They have archery. They have spears, which I find a bit weird. And they have <laughs> swords, obviously, and they have muskets. Hmm. I like. I'm I'm split on this. I said all this. I said all this great stuff before about like the beauty of uh, combat when <laughs> it's like really embodied and like close and personal and that sort of stuff. But the spear but, like, gives you a bit of distance. <laughs> no, I I um uh I weirdly do you ever like have a moment 
those like rare moments in your life where you discover that you're like quite good at something that you've never done before. And yeah. it's no. like a complete, and it's like a completely <laughs> odd skill. That's like literally absolutely never. useless to like your everyday life. Like if you'd been born at a different time, it would have changed your life um, that you're good at that. But it- no, no, no. <laughs> I mean like a skill that you have that yeah. is like, anyway, I, uh, the the only like memorable one of those that I've ever had is like when I was at school I didn't do this but like one time I did like rifle shooting and it, you were really and good. I was really good at it like because I <laughs> I I'd naturally do this thing where like I think when I'm really concentrating hard on something I like don't breathe very much like I I accidentally so good at that, hold yeah. my breath for a really long time when I'm like not meaning to yeah. and so I was like good at staying still for that. Anyway, all of that was to say that I might be better with a rifle than something else. Yeah, you can get a musket for sure. I I would have um, probably just one of like Kikuchio's like enormous sword. Like his is like so long, right? It's longer than everyone else's. He like has to hold it on his, on his shoulder. Whoa. Yeah. He's always leaning on it and it like goes up to his shoulder basically. Yeah. And once he was sleeping, so it could have gotten stolen and they like told him off. They were like, uh, 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 Got to look after this, buddy. Yeah. How about you, Liz? Yeah. I think it sounds like we're all... Oh, no. You said sword. I'm too scared to say sword because I don't want to get close to the person, as we've yeah, said. Yeah, Is very cinematic. Yeah. I'm going to say archery because then you can just stay back. And if you run out of arrows, you're just like, well, bye. <laughs> Got to go home. <laughs> just, just I can't leave. help anymore. What would be each yeah. of our funny traits within the group oh, of God. samurai? What would we be? Um... I reckon I would I just think- scream, scream constantly. <laughs> Never stop screaming. Like when I sleep, I it's have- like, ah! Oh my God. Yeah. I reckon you'd be a bit of a jokester type character. Aw, that's really you'd bring sweet. a bit of like comedy the and gest- levity to the difficult times. Yeah, probably. very useful. Maybe at, at inappropriate times. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. I want to yeah, be like about- the traitorous one in the group that like sells everyone <laughs> out or something. And I'm like, guys, come on, please. It's the right thing to have, do. And then I get killed. You don't even have anything to tr- be a traitor for yet. You just know that you would be. Wow. I just know I would be. I'm going to be Cypher in the Matrix. And oh. Yeah. Well, you wanna be there the, isn't a traitor You want to be the Judas. Samurai. The Judas. There isn't yes. a traitor in Seven Samurai. No. Crazy. There isn't. But I would be do, him. <laughs> do we want to talk about little bugs and their life? Let, oh, yeah. Okay. Anthony does. <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> A Bug's Life is a 1998 animated film from Pixar. It's their second film, Crazy Town, directed by John Lasseter. And um, this plot's going to sound very familiar. It's about a community of little ants um, who are set upon by these greedy little grasshoppers uh, who are now very timely, actually. The main, like the evil boss grasshopper is voiced by Kevin Spacey. Um, mm. And, like, they come every, like, season or whatever to steal, like, a bunch of their food. And because of dumb flick, like, one of the ants, they accidentally get rid of all of their offering. And they're like, oh, no, we don't have anything to give them. So they're like, shit, what are we going to do? So he sets out on a journey to find tough, 
warriors to save the colony. But the difference in this movie is instead of finding seven incredibly powerful, um, you know, warriors, he thinks he does, but they're actually an inept group of circus performers, little little circus insects. Um, little freaks, little disgusting freaks. (laughs) (laughs) Squish them. (laughs) No, I love them. I'm sorry. They're good. (laughs) The Pixar movies that we don't talk about are A Bug's Life, The Good Dinosaur, and Brave. Yes? Yeah. Hmm. That's it, yeah? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. And like the Cars sequels, I guess. Inside Out, I don't know much about. We talk about Inside Out all the time. Do you? Maybe, Where are you? Maybe it's just me. I Everyone talks about Inside Out. Okay. That's like the only good one they've made recently. Oh, and I liked Coco a lot. Oh. Okay. Actually, that's a good Rio. one. They didn't make Rio. Didn't they? That's true. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You get them confused. I remember oh, wow. Rio. Damn. Okay. This is actually a good window into... I never thought I'd talk about this thing on the podcast, but this is a good window. Okay. I have a thing with Pixar movies. I have it with like most of them, but like The Incredibles doesn't do this. Ratatouille doesn't do this. And Wally doesn't do this. Where... What we love Pixar movies for is how emotionally mature they are and that, like, they're really, you know, the Pixar movies are the definition of, like, the parents want to see it just as much of the kid yeah. as the kids. Like, that it's... So multifaceted. Yeah, and it's, like, really about real human things and teaches kids about really interesting, incredible things. The best example of which being, for me, Inside Out teaching kids about the validity of sadness. Like, that's so cool to teach a child. Anyway. Yeah. A bug's like, but what I don't like in Pixar films is the way the plot functions. Like to me, a Pixar movie, it's also an animated movie thing, but it's always like we have to go to the place to get the thing, to do the thing, to create the stuff, to stop the thing, which I never care about at all. Hmm. And this movie has, it's, it's great. And it's like early Pixar, like it's great. But to me, it is exclusively that. And the moral heart stuff that usually is the juice of a Pixar movie isn't even that interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's only a thing in bad Pixar, or like the Pixar movies that would be on the bottom half of my like ranking or whatever. Where it's no, like. No, I think Inside Out does it. I hate the way the plot functions in that. Yeah, I think Inside Coco Out does it. it. That's true. Coco does it. Um, I think a lot of them do it. Where it's I, like, I don't care about this plot, the way it's working, we have to go get a thing, but I like the heart of it. I think some of the ones some of the ones you mentioned before, I I think the plot really holds up for me in um like Wally and Incredibles in particular have yeah. some like quite have some like very I mean, like Wally in particular obviously is like, you know, this like parable about like how humanity exactly. works and like our responsibility to yeah. the environment but I think, and, and i like, think that's reflected in the plot as well even the like the yeah. moment to moment stuff is about that as well not just the underneath of it I agree, yeah. yeah and and in the incredibles there's actually a lot of like i think there's a lot of really interesting like interpersonal relationship dynamics mm. and it says a lot yeah. of interesting stuff about like marriage and yeah uh, totally totally certainly people's certainly in the incredibles 2 people's expectations of like the roles that like men and, men women, and women play, play. in straight yeah. relationships yeah. it's just and that sort of yeah. stuff so yeah, totally yeah um, i think that's all super effective i, I came in very harsh on a bug's life that is just my main problem with it i've flagged it but other than that i guess i just go like yeah it's a fun family movie and it speaks to that exact yeah. thing where we go how important to have plots that function like this that teach such good things to people that feel like it's such it's very structurally sound i guess yeah yeah eliza did the plot for this bring you along with it or not really yeah Um, i mean 
it's great for like early Pixar. It's awesome. Yeah, but, like, exactly. I was expecting when rewatching to be more impressed by it because I feel like I've always defended a Bug's Life a bit and been like, oh, it's underrated. Whereas I think it's rated. I think <laughs> I can see what you mean, Noah. Like it is, if I had to describe its negative elements in any one word, I would say bitsy. Like a mm. lot, all of the jokes are about that they're bugs, <laughs> which mm. I call shark tail syndrome, which is like when a, a movie world or a fictional world is set in like a non-human world and everything oh. is about how it's non-human. I like, just wrote that down. There's so much yeah. animated stuff that's like establishing the world of an animal or like a toy or whatever. And it's like, oh my God, that's a human thing, but it's with bugs. And yeah, it's, like, it's like, yeah. it's a bar, but it's bugs. That it's bit. a city, and but like, it's bugs. When he gets into the like Times Square looking yes. bit, uh, when it's like all the cardboard boxes and stuff. Every and DreamWorks movie is about that. Uh, literally. So, yeah. so mad when yeah. I saw yeah. that. So, the kind of thing where like characters would say like, I'm bugging out. And it's like, wait, I would never say I'm humaning out. Like that's stupid. <laughs> and like, I think I was, for, most, for the most part, like Pixar really avoids that. And in A Bug's Life, I was a bit surprised at how much that happens. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was just going to briefly say that the other night, one of the other movies that we have ravenously digested during this COVID <laughs> uh, film centric period was um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. the movie of it. No. Oh, anyway, there's this bit in it where he, uh, Martin Freeman is trying to escape the clutches of the evil Vogons and he's trying to compliment the Vogon leader's poetry, which is infamously which evil. Which is suicidally um, bad. Or, yeah, terrible, more <laughs> so than evil. Um, and he's he makes a comment about, like, the humanity and then he's corrected by his friend to say Vogonity instead of humanity. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's good shit. That's there beautiful. Ties, in, ties into that bug shit. Yeah. But yeah, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess most, most of my notes for Seven Samurai were about how everything fed each other, how succinct it is as a complete thing, and... A Bug's Life, all my notes are about like little bitsy moments. Like what did I write? I wrote, I miss the old Disney logo. Like, you know, when it was just, it wasn't animated, the castle. It didn't have it was that just, background. Yeah, ugly as shit. It was just, I just want the blue <laughs> and then it's a white castle. Yeah, that I wrote. Oh, I wrote down how, like, this was one that surprised me how much I remembered the imagery of it. I was like, oh, I must have watched it a lot when I was quite young because yeah. a lot of things I was like, oh, I remember this, but not anything that goes on, like how mm. it moves forward and stuff. Like Dot being scared. Dot is like one of the little bugs being scared by the like weird, this, this <gasps> one grasshopper that's like guy. rabid. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. and she screams. And I was like, terrifying. Absolutely yeah. terrifying. Yeah, I remember hearing, being so scared of that. Especially because it's actually a child doing like a child voice performance. Hearing yeah. a little child scream for like 20 seconds is like very so unpleasant. Yeah. It's and the really little, what's, what's what's his name? Heimlich? The big fat, yes. Heimlich. The, the caterpillar. Yeah, yeah, he's very funny. Him like shaking his little bum. I wrote, that's comedy. Like that is what comedy is. <laughs> oh, when he gets his, when he comes out of the cocoon and gets his wings like, and they're fucking tiny. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. And he yeah. can't fly. Yeah. Incredible I have stuff. nothing great. else to say about a bug's life. Um, wow. Okay. Well, I, I have a, maybe a good way this into good. it. No, it's good. You're so like help. a thing that you brought up before was how in, I think Eliza, you were saying that like, Oh, maybe it was no, I can't remember. It was said that uh, in one of the pivotal plot differences between this and Seven Samurai is that in Seven Samurai, the samurai are the protagonist. Uh. And uh, <laughs> in A Bug's Life, Flick, the annoying, arrogant bug, is the protagonist. And the 
circus performers who are not warriors are not in fact protagonists and are sort of like set dressing, I guess. Mm. Um, mm. So I guess maybe a thing that I'd ask about that is like maybe what you both think of Flick. What do you both think of his I like protagonism? Eliza, what do you think? Um, I, yeah. I had a huge fight about this with one of my roommates. Huge fight? Had, well, when I say huge, I mean it wasn't that huge, but like we had a big fight about <laughs> big about fight. his personality. Flick fight. A wow. classic flick fight. Yeah. Great. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The top of my notes, one of the first notes I had, which means like it was one of the first thoughts I had while watching the movie, was how many movies have a dorky inventor dad type guy? Lol. I wonder if that's responsible for all the annoying bro entrepreneur guys now. Ha 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 So that's obviously yeah. how I felt about Flick while watching. I was just like, oh, he's like an archetype. And he's a I real Silicon once- Valley type. <laughs> Got a yeah, startup. Um, but I feel like once you get introduced to the circus bugs who are so much more visually diverse in voice, they're more diverse. They're more like interesting and crazy and funny. And Madeline Kahn, one of my comedy legends is one of them. Like they are just like a shot of adrenaline where you're like, oh, now the movie's getting going. And I don't think flick on himself is enough to carry the movie. That's true. Mm. I agree. I also really dislike the, um, the way that they write the like princess, yeah, it's like Anna, Anna, Anna. and it's Julia yeah. Louis Dreyfus. Like, give literally, him you waste Julia Louis Dreyfus. What the fuck? She's so boring. She's just like, uh, they just—it's just the classic thing of they're like this female character isn't allowed to have a personality. It's just yeah. lame. And she's defined well, by of, like a male character in her life, exactly. lying to her. Yeah, like that's or just like that's the relationship. With, hmm. Yeah, even the female circus bugs, like they're all—they all have pretty faces and their bodies are like nice and shapely and womanly. And all the male circus bugs and male bug characters are meant to look more, are allowed to look more idiosyncratic and weird and abstract. And like, that's yeah. just a really common animation thing that- We're with, talking about bug sexism. The, I yeah. love this. With, this is what the podcast is all about. With yeah. the odd, like, <laughs> dated uh, jokes and like, um, focus on the male ladybug and some of the sort of like yes trans so it's like, oh, implying like subtle jokes that are weird yeah. that go on there although at the end they do say um he uh, he got his, his name side, but they, like yeah without he, if he hadn't have met you flick he wouldn't have been able to get in touch with his feminine side and he like starts to argue with it and is like yeah no you you know what you're right and and it's seen uh-huh. as a good thing, which is good. I wasn't expecting that to happen, actually. Yeah. I also thought throughout <laughs> the movie about that bit. I was like, uh. Um, there's also, like, I my least favourite thing in the world is I think 95% of YouTube film critics are just... In the world? Hate, in the world. I hate it so much. <laughs> not in the world, but, not, like, 95% of YouTube film critics' version of criticism is just plot holes. I despise yeah. criticism based in plot holes who cares? That actually isn't what talking about film is about anyway. But it's pretty telling that this movie has one or like a plot, like lapse in logic that is so distracting which, to me, which is that. So the warrior bugs quote, like the circus performers, they figure out that they're like, Oh, we'll build this bird that will scare the grasshoppers when they come and we'll bring it up there hmm. and like we'll hide it in the tree and then we'll release it when they come, when they arrive. And then it's outed that they've been lying and that they're not, they're actually circus performers. 
and everyone's and, like, oh no, a plan won't like, work. Oh no, the plan won't work. And I'm the like, plan you was would the bird. still, the plan was the bird. You <laughs> yeah. would still do the bird. They literally Absolutely. go instead. They're like, well, let's try and find all the food we can. I'm like, what? Yeah, I guess you, you would still. You can. You're allowed to be angry and still do the bird. It you, makes no sense at all. <laughs> you could come up with some sort of like flimsy justification that's sort of like, I guess, if they were actually great warriors, they would have known. They'd known they how to like it. operate the bird better, as though exactly. they'd like fucking done that before <laughs> ever. Exactly. But if they'd done it before, they would have been like, hey, way back when, me and my friends made a bird to scare some people. Why don't we try that again? Rather than like a brilliant new idea, which is clearly original and unique. Exactly. You would just yeah. be like, well, now we have less faith in this idea working. Yeah. But you still do the bird. You put all that effort into making the dumb bird. And then ultimately they still do the bird. Like that that is what happens. They eventually come around and just do the bird. And it's like there's this whole the there's this whole like thing where it's like, we're not gonna do the bird. And it's like, just do the bird. Uh, also, why would they leave that off the whole movie exi- kind of happens because the offering <laughs> of food falls into the river. Why would you balance the sh- the fucking offering that your entire existence depends on over a giant hill in which it would fall in water and be gone forever. <laughs> They're bugs. Mm. Let them live. They're bugs. They don't have <laughs> they big <are> brains. <laughs> yeah. You're I also wanted to point me. out, like, yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to say, like, it's weird that this movie, it's like second act low point is circus centric, where it's like a character is actually a circus performer when that's exactly what happened in Chicken Run, which we watched a couple of weeks ago, a couple months ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, what the hell? This movie what is did with- remind you guys of Chicken Run, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. What is with these um, animated movies and Be- weird being the same? circus hate and oh. being the same? And yeah. being the same, yeah. Mm. Very true. Chicken Run's better than this. Chick- oh, yeah, Chicken yeah. Run. Wildly better than this, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, I have to say, we like, I was really proud oh, of myself. Oh. No, go for it. Go no, for no, it. Go, go, I- go, go. <laughs> yes. I was really proud. <laughs> I was going to say, I was really proud of myself at the end of this film because Max and I watched this together and I was like, when it said the end, I was like, Max, are you excited for a Randy Newman song that's like, <laughs> I was a book just backing around. And then like, as soon as the credits came off, that was exactly what the song was. <laughs> and I yeah. felt really happy with myself. You know, what's an animated thing? I think Pixar only does this. I hate, I absolutely hate the thing of like, blooper reels in animated movies no, I love as it. though it's so dumb as though it didn't take as hours to put those brief shots hours. together you have to pay people like weeks and weeks to animate <laughs> the bloopers like that isn't real who wrote down what the bloopers would well, be that, that, that's cute it, that phenomenon like is the filmic the film structuric equivalent of the like, <laughs> oh, this is the bug version of a human thing, right? It's yeah. like this is the bug version of a blooper reel blooper because reels. we want to have it here because it's dumb. But like, it's but they aren't even the bloopers. The funny thing with this is, it's not even like the bloopers are that average. They're pretty tame, fake bloopers. It's yeah. literally people being like, oh, what's my line again? Sorry, and you're like, come on, <laughs> they're bugs. Have them like, yeah, using their weird bug bodies to do weird shit. <laughs> Do we think Jesus. bugs are just kind of gross? Do we not yeah, like Yeah, I don't want to look at bugs for ages. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm much more on board with chickens and robots than I am with bugs. Oh. Yeah, that is. Both the, chickens, both the chickens and the ants in this movie were thick and had the wagon. They all had big butts. Yeah, they did. Mm, chunky, That's chunky. So well, true. Um, a big thing this movie has. Well, 
Also, people will be surprised we're not doing a bug's life and ants because it should yeah. be said this is a huge example of in the very exact same year. Actually, don't know if I said what year it came out, but um, in the exact same year. you said. Yeah. In the exact same year, ants came out. Um, and the ants in that movie are so ugly. Like, they look disgusting. They're really hideous. Like, whoever designed well, maybe, that, you screwed it. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. can do A Bug's Life again and ants. Because oh, I have more thoughts on A Bug's Life, but I think we should move on from it probably. Wow. Well, it's a there good thing go. we're about to compare the picks. Compare them picks. Because, uh, that's, yeah, why true. would you have more thoughts on A Bug's Life? That's so interesting. I, I, I feel like I remember ants being better. I think ants might be better. I feel like I hear that a lot. No. Anyway. Ants is like starring Woody Allen. It, I know. It's, and Martin Scors- is Martin Scorsese in it? No, I'm thinking of Shark Tale. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Let's compare the picks. <laughs> Now it is time for us to compare the picks where we look at our two films being Seven Samurai and A Bug's Life and we look at them in comparison, what one does better, what one does worse. And yeah, um, what are our thoughts on, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Well, how about, I think it's interesting that like we've touched both times on how Seven Samurai is a film whose structure is almost like educational or at least um, like so influential and and what that movie teaches about like filmmaking devices and conventions and that then A Bug's Life is a film that has translated that and taken that and been like well yeah. then here's how you do that for children I feel like that's a really interesting look at like how cinema feeds itself in interesting and ways. it has put its own twist on it like the circus yeah. reveal is pretty inventive it is. It's clever. And again, like it's much more akin to like a family film. Like it's more the action obviously isn't central here. The set pieces aren't about action. They're about like crazy comic mishaps and stuff. Um, mm. So it is like a pretty natural conclusion to make that like with this film, with, with um, A Bug's Life, the translation you also need to make for kids is that you need to make the personalities of the air quotes warriors you need to make the, their traits pretty like more zany and wacky, like Eliza said. Yeah. I think also like since it's for kids, one thing that A Bug's Life might do better than Seven Samurai is make the villains into actual characters. Like the That's true, yeah. The grasshoppers in A Bug's Life, like even beyond being voiced by Kevin Spacey in part, they are legit scary. They and are, yeah. Yeah, the bit where the bit where the main guy, Hopper, he mm. says something where he's like if those ants realize how much they outnumber us, we're done. I was like, oh, that's just like Jeff Bezos. Like that's real villains that we have today. <laughs> like, yeah, that's just capitalism. That, that scene is so good. Well, yeah. and like even beyond just like capitalism in a like selling way, like obviously this is pretty like heavy and topical at the moment, but I saw someone like referencing a bug's life in a tweet when talking about the riots in the US at the moment and <laughs> like that whole thing of like imagine if people remember when people f- figured that they were uh, remember like realized that they were 100 to 1 and that they actually outnumbered and had the capacity and then it was like dot 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 oh never mind yeah literally no it's so true like <laughs> yeah that is very true that it's the it's the like a big difference in them is that 
Seven Samurai always poses that who knows how this is going to go. Like who knows part of it's instigating the stakes is like who knows how they're going to, if they're going to win at all and how many people are going to die. But all we know is people like people are going to die and it's going to be hard. Whereas A Bug's Life is more so about like the farmer peasant mentality of being like we are at the bottom, we're at the bottom, we're weak, we're weak, we're weak. And it's actually about all of them learning to step into that unity that's present in both of them. Both of them are about like community and like the sense of what you can accomplish when people with the right, a similar intention and a similar like moral intention unite against a like yeah. you know, a bad thing, evil. And it's, they seize like, the means of production, literally, like in both <laughs> instances, it's something about like harvest, which is like yeah. one of the oldest ways in which labor has been like victimized and repressed and stuff. Ooh, absolutely. Um, at the riots in, I think, Minneapolis the other day, they showed like there was a location where they literally just stuck a projector onto the side of a building, like right in front of the cops. And they all watched Ava DuVernay's 13th, 13th. Maybe they should do it Ooh. for A Bug's Life next. Yeah. They really should. Oh God! The cops literally wait. A cab, but no. A a A cab. No. A gab. A gab. All grasshoppers are bastards. All grasshoppers are bastards. That's so stupid. Um, one thing that's also similar between both movies is rain in the climax. And, like, in A Bug's Life, I liked that it's, like, because oh, they're so wow. little, Rain is, like, an antagonist and it could actually kill them. <laughs> yeah, like, that that's so cool. true. It's, like, a huge threat and, like, how they, like, dive out of the way and stuff, yeah. Mm. That is good. Yeah, I, I I like the third act in, obviously, both of them. I like I love the third act in A Bug's Life. Yeah. I am obviously choosing Seven Samurai. It's actually, I just realised this can't be a unanimous win because you haven't... Yeah. Look, to you're, be, you're to be just honest giving with in you, your love for a bug's life. Like I, what I was going to say was I haven't seen Seven Samurai and I'm going to vote for it. But like, oh obviously that doesn't that doesn't really mean anything. Like I didn't hate a bug's life, but it, there are so many things that it like doesn't do and so many yeah. things it does do and that it shouldn't a- have. And it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not as it's nowhere near as compelling as so much, so many similar films. It's true. Um, yeah. It's I think it's. It actually kind of comes back to that thing that like you have chatted about with other films of like, I guess the ideals behind it versus like the execution of like how it did it. I Mm. think that like the underpinning message in A Bug's Life is way more compelling than like actually watching it. Like seeing it on paper would be more interesting to me than I think like watching that film. Um, Yeah. Because like the message that it teaches about like, you know, strength and safety and numbers and like Mm. the value of community and those sorts of things and learning how to like be reciprocal with like the people who are around you Mm. and that sort of stuff is all like great it's great shit but like yeah just the film is not that compelling so anyway i would Mm. vote for seven samurai if that were in any way an informed (laughs) so we have like a ghost vote and i'm not pretending that that it is (laughs) yeah uh, that's fine um yeah well my my vote for Seven Samurai is just because that movie is textbook. Um, A Bug's Life is a very good version of the easiest kids film to make. Like, I think there's like 20 films like A Bug's Life. Not like the same plot necessarily, but like the same kind of world and ideas. 
no movie is easy to make. That's a broad generalization to make about this movie. And people worked hard on it. And for the time it was what it was, but I think there are lots of films like it now and it rightfully doesn't really stand out anymore. Um, And I think as Eliza said, it isn't overrated or underrated. I think it's rated kind of perfectly. Whereas Seven Samurai continues to be one of the most influential films ever made. Um, that is as compelling now as I'm sure it was when it came out. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see the other amazing works that it will continue to inspire. Oh, yeah. I do kind of wonder if we should have done a bug's life and ants just to give a bug's life, like more of a fight and chance. Well, maybe that's a good idea that one day we'll, we'll return. Well, what do we do with Zathora and what episode was Zathora and Jumanji? That's 71, Uh, episode 71. Let's say 80. Nine is ants and a bug's life. Okay, mm. <laughs> great. Um, yeah, Excellent. I'm choosing. Um, I'm choosing Seven Samurai as well. Um, I've, I don't think I was ever under the impression that I would choose a bug's yeah, life over Seven Samurai. But um, yeah, I kind of thought I would enjoy a bug's life more than I did, and like I felt kind of bad. I enjoyed it more than it. I thought I would actually, but I still yeah. didn't love it. Yeah, yeah. I, during it. Like I felt sort of guilty for wanting to watch James and the Giant Peach instead. Like <gasps> I watched that the other day. I watched that. Oh, sick. Yesterday. Whoa, what? That's crazy. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is wild. Did that really hold is. up? Did you like it? Love it. Um, yeah. I, the we watched it as a house, and uh, the main. I think some of the main comments that came away from it were like. Wow, it really is still pretty scary. Like, there's a yeah. there's just a whole bunch of actual child abuse at the beginning of that film, and I was like, "Oh God, uh, it, it was really heavy." It's a sad movie. Yeah, yeah the start of that yeah. movie is depressing as hell. Good on James. I feel like just because it's like the claymation, tactile, like ickiness. I feel like that movie versus a Bug's Life in a Bug's Life. Like you can tell they did CGI or like the 3D modeling that Pixar does. And like, I think for the most part it works, like for the ants, ants do move in a kind of robotic way that of mm. that matches what Pixar was capable of when they started up. But like some of the other characters are really gross, like maggots and slugs and stuff. Just, they don't even look like gross in a squishy, believable way. Like they just move mm. in a really inorganic, freaky way. And it just made me feel like, Oh, I thought I'd be more impressed by this and I'd rather watch yucky claymation gloobs. <laughs> it's a good it's a good point though that like I think um even like there are parts where I go like, no, that is the design of the film that that should look better. Like some areas like, like I think a lot of the like lighting and cinematography of it sometimes looks so like washed out where it could look really vibrant a lot of the time. Like I think about when we're at like the grasshopper's base and stuff. And it's, like, ugly. It's supposed to be, like, a gross den. Like, it's supposed to be disgusting. But it's ugly. It's not, like, rich in colour. But it's not, like, specifically drab. It just feels like... It's no choice wasn't made. It's no hyenas den from Lion King. No, always saying <laughs> no. Exactly. It just feels like, and then like scenes at night are just like blue and stuff. It just like it doesn't look pretty. It it's look- it's actually like somewhat realistic. It's just not compelling. Indeed. Well, like- I come to the cinemas to say pretty things. So there you yep. go. <laughs> there you go. Well done to Seven Samurai for getting the only accolade that matters, even though. It- it's one much bigger things. This is the one that it wanted, I know. Um, yes, you are yes another winner of our twin picks. Woo! 
Now it's time to go check on our little friend that lives in the roof. Uh, time for a triplet in the attic. The eighth samurai. The eighth samurai. Now it's time for Triplet in the Attic, where we've got to pick a deformed, rejected little third piece of media. A song, a movie, a book, a little samurai weapon that we think acts as a thematic triplet to the episode's Twin Picks. Um, Anthony, do you have anything? Did you prepare anything? Uh, like half, because again... We'll take it, yeah. Because it's seven it, samurai, so... If it relates to okay. bugs, that's fine. Yeah, well, I... Like, it is... I'm not going to say disappointing. It is certainly <laughs> surreptitious that you brought this up in the last five minutes because I was going oh, to recommend James and the Giant, Giant Peach. Peach. That's because good. That's good. Yeah, it, did like more, that. it did more compelling bugs for me. Um, it does, definitely. Wow. Yeah. And, and because I think that... Um, I think that in James and the Giant Peach, there is a really interesting synthesis between the, like the stuff that I was questioning you about at earlier on in this episode about like uh, it, it's a really interesting like synthesis of <clears throat> individualism and like community, like a community coming together in order to yeah. like, achieve Aww. goals. Like it's, it's about both James and his giant peach, but like he is so wow. much a part of that whole as well. And you can really see that. Uh, from both ways and like you needed both parts of that equation like he's enriched their lives they've enriched his you can still see them all as individuals because they're unique but like anyway Hmm. whereas I think uh in a bug's life one of the things that I found frustrating is that Flick doesn't learn anything so he's <laughs> just kind of told that he was yeah, right the he whole was time right. people didn't believe in exactly. him exactly yeah. like he like the message of the film on an extreme surface level is like believe in yourself and like it'll yeah. it'll come good eventually yeah but like that's not um he doesn't arrive at that message like because of himself and yeah. like he doesn't he he executes this plan with all of these other people helping him and like contributing to it. And then like right at the end, like he gets this round of applause and it's just like, it's this, this film shouldn't be about him. Like it's it not, the community. Yeah. it should be about all of them. Like it, th- this is a really strange, like tonal thing to have. Good point. Like f- centering him as the focal point. It's a very good when, point. Um, I think that's undeserved. So yeah, James and the Giant Peach for the community. Literally spirit. ends. James and the Giant Peach literally ends with him like introducing his friends to the world and yeah. being like, Aww. "Here are my friends." Absolutely. And like we did this together. That I love it. Oh, Liz. I just had such a rush of nostalgia from towards the end of the movie when he's fighting that cloud thing and he says like, yeah. "You won't hurt my friends," and he says it in a weird way. He says like friends or something. Wow, oh, yeah. that's so cute. Imagine having a friend Amazing. like James. Beautiful. Anyway. Okay. okay. I know I don't. Ha <laughs> ha. Liz, off you go. <laughs> my, uh, my triplet in the attic is Bug, directed by The Exorcist, William Friedkin, based on a play by Tracy Letts. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's called bug and it's about <laughs> nut, nutty people thinking they are bugged. I don't remember if they think there's bugs under their skin, but it's, um, it's Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon and they're just like this 
weird couple who just like believe in conspiracy theories and the last like 20 minutes of the movie are really feverish and they're just like reaching this crazy pitch of like you know like the world is out to get them and ah and stuff and you know what to relate it to seven samurai michael shannon he has that intensity to maybe be like an heir to toshiro mifune that's that's oh. my that's my wow reach. <laughs> there you go i love oh, tracy God. letts tracy letts yeah. did um killer joe yes yeah, which is also direct, like the movie that's also Friedkin. directed by William Friedkin. Yeah, yeah, I love Killer Joe. Yeah, yeah, I wish they'd made like a bit more stuff. That would be cool. Yeah, together. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, that was right at the start of the McConaughey with Matthew McConaughey. That was yeah, really good one. Love it. Um, my one for this is a look. I, I was just thinking about what we spoke about about samurai movies, about how they're actually like so accessible. They feed so much of what's come after them. And honestly, a lot of great ones still get made. It actually isn't as dead of a genre as, say, like the Western or something. Um, so I have, I kind of like around the first time I watched Seven Samurai, like a year and a bit ago, started watching a few other samurai movies because it wasn't a genre I knew much about. And one that really stuck out to me that I also pick because I think it's accessible in Australia is Musashi Miyamoto, which is also known as Samurai One. So it's like a samurai trilogy directed by Hiroshi Inagaki. And um, so the first one, Musashi Miyamoto, is it's like from like the early 50s and it also stars Toshiro Mifune. It's like, so if, if all of Akira Kurosawa's stuff is like the Bible of this genre, this style... Musashi Miyamoto is kind of like, and the Samurai Trilogy is kind of like the grand epic trilogy inside of that. Like, it's the text it's based on, Musashi, is commonly, uh, apparently, like, referred to as, like, Japan's Gone with the Wind. Like, it's just this big mm. sweeping epic of love. And um, this first movie particularly, I've only seen um, the second one. I haven't seen the third one yet. So the second one is called Duel at Ijioji Temple. And the third one is Jewel at Gunryu Island, which I, I haven't seen that one. But it's just about, um, it's like an adaptation of a real life Japanese sword, swordman who is Miyamoto. And um, yeah, it's really interesting. It's just like, it's kind of like a fugitive story across Japan and um, something that it has more than I think a lot of Kurosawa stuff is like, it's, it's in color and it's all about like a lot of it is focused on the rich landscapes and like how beautiful everything is and it's so full of color and it's just this like big sweeping epic action-packed thing that I think captures a lot of the awesome stuff about samurai movies mm. um, and I also pick it because as a home media collector it's so sad to me that Criterion Collection a lot of it doesn't work on Australian Blu-ray players but some of their Blu-rays are region free so you can play them on any ones and this is one of them so you can get the samurai trilogy that's three movies for like i think it's only like 40 bucks or something which is pretty good and it works anywhere and it's like really nice special features and it just looks incredible so yeah Musashi miyamoto thank you so much for listening today friends it's so fun to be back doing this again yeah i was going crazy doing other things not doing this for so long it's so great to have you back thank you so much for listening 
please help us out if you can and tell a friend, particularly tell a friend that we're back recording again if, if we have listeners that um, that have dropped off for a bit. And, you know, uh, subscribe and follow and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. All those things really help get the word out and tell people what we're doing and stuff. Um, if you have any requests or questions or furious notes or you want to defend flick from a bug's life you can send them to quinpixpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com.au.com .au? Just just, just sorry um <laughs> and you can follow our facebook and our instagram where we have lots of like updates on the next movie and also and you can weigh in you can. You can vote. So if you need to defend a bug's life with all your might, then that's how you're going to do it, okay? Good stuff. Um, and Liz is going to tell you about Rough Cut Film. Yes, roughcutfilm.com um, is the film youth-oriented film website that I run with my mates and, yeah, just continually putting out great stuff. Like they've covered Sydney Film Festival and are going to cover Melbourne International Film Festival, even though like those festivals have to, switched to digital. So now like... You really want to find out what are good movies that are worth seeing because you can literally watch them from home. So listen so, to what my friends have to say on that website. Very, very sick. And next week for our next episode, Meg will be returning. We'll have Meg back. Yay! And we will be doing another set of twin films, so movies that are basically the same, that came out at the same, in the same year and stuff. Ones that uh, a lot of people have uh, – a few people have actually mentioned this one to me whenever we talk about twin films – no strings attached and friends with benefits. So if you want yeah. to watch two identical movies in a week, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but hey, we had to do it, so you should do it with us. Those are the ones yeah. to watch. Yay. Um, and um, I was going to say, Anthony, thanks so much for like doing this episode, even though like you only saw one of the movies. Like that must have been kind of frustrating to just be yeah. like, what the fuck it was actually quite an now? interesting dynamic. I thought I think it worked quite well. Yeah, that's okay. I think yeah, I think like as I kind of said before, it brings a bit of a like. Um, Q&A element to the table and I then like I'm sort it. of like, like we delve into the movie further by you telling me what it's about and yeah. it makes you reflect on your own experience with it perhaps I um, agree completely so yes but it yeah it, I, I loved this episode ideally at some point in the future we'll do an episode again where I've actually yes, seen everything we're movies, talking about yeah. yes but yes again this episode was one long in the making um and I hope it brings more people to these movies well people have probably seen bugs life but i hope more people watch samurai <laughs> shit after this because yeah. it's so good yeah awesome yeah. thanks friends see ya mm. bye I, a, a oh Noah's yeah i wanted life. to say to you guys <laughs> i know <Yes>. it's life <laughs> i wanted to say I, I my school my school stage band we had to do the song where they're going to the city and it's like that's so cool yeah that's really great drums and like it was a song yeah. Is it like Leonard yeah. Bernstein or something? It sounds like Bernstein. No, it's. I think it's Randy Newman. He put it together as well. Randy. Um, Randy. Um, yeah, but it was good because it was a song that didn't have that much drama in it, so I could kind of like have a breather for that one. So oh, I, I nice. like that song a lot. I'm glad you didn't work too hard. That's good. <laughs> Thank Lame you. Lame ass. Bye, friends. <laughs> Bye. A twin. A twin. I stopped that thing. You know how we used to like we tried to finish the episode with twin puns. Yeah, I a just, twin's I life. Can't do it. A twin's life. Yeah, sure. Bye. Seven, seven twins. Yeah. twins. <laughs> seven twins. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>